Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and uh, I'm not in the studio or back at home today. I'm uh, in the Vale of Glamorgan Hotel, Wales's team base. Literally minutes ago, uh, Wales announced their 33-man squad for the World Cup in France, and we're joined by a very special guest just to offer a bit of reaction to that. The man behind Squidge Rugby on YouTube, Robbie Owen. Robbie, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? How are you doing? How is the veil keeping up? It's uh, it's quite nice. It's quite nice. Yeah. Um, a bit annoyed. I arrived sort of too early to to benefit from the free teas and coffees outside uh, the press oh. room. Um, I saw I saw colleagues benefiting from that. That's that's the perils of working too hard, or at least that's next that's, time. That's, Four that's, years that's, time. That's, that's, that's the story I'm going <laughs> for on this podcast. Um, but yeah, it, it, obviously Warren Gatland has named his 33-man squad. What's your initial reaction? Um, you know, he had a massive yeah. squad to cut down, didn't he? Yeah, and it's largely as you kind of would have expected. I think there was a lot of people sharing their social media squads over the last couple of days, and most of them were sort of 30 players were the same, and then there was kind of three that were changing. And I think in typical Gatlin fashion, he's gone for something that no one was quite expecting in terms of only taking two scrum halves. Um, in Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams and leaving Kieran Hardy at home, which is something that's much easier to do when it's, you know, a World Cup nearby rather than one in Australia or Japan, you know, the one yeah. either side will be. Um, so you can fly a scrum half out at short notice. Um, and taking Lee Halfpenny as an extra back free option, which I think a lot of us saw as Lee Halfpenny or Rio Dyer kind of coming down to that and both are going now. Um, I think it's a pretty strong squad. The hookers, the other kind of uh, troubling position in the what, two of the three hookers carrying injuries going into their first game, which isn't ideal in uh, Elias and Lake. And then as a kind of, the other thing that jumps out at me is just glancing at that squad. There are two 12s in it, Nick Tompkins and Johnny Williams, both of which I think are not really players who've nailed down that shirt, uh, who've really shown, you know, that they've really proved or answered a lot of the, the question marks around them. Uh, which I think is a slightly concerning position to when you have two players there with Maxwell and left out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, well, well, I mean, as you say, scrum half is is the biggest thing. I remember mm. when Reese Webb announced his international retirement um, and then suddenly there were three scrum halves. I think Gatland said in a press conference, oh, well, you know, we might take two. And I just felt like, nah, come on, we're taking three, but let's put a bit of pressure on the boys <laughs> so they're not like putting their feet up in Switzerland and Turkey. But then lo and behold, he's he's gone and done it. Like we we, we were looking through previous squads and 2015, he took two hookers, but like you say, it's it's short travel. Yeah, You're going back to 2003, I think the last time they took uh, two scrum halves and they had someone called Shane Williams who could also <laughs> play a bit there. I, I don't know who's going to cover... Scrum yeah. off if you need it. I mean, the way the World Cup is in terms of player welfare this time round, you're playing a game every six or seven days. It's not like before where it's a four-day turnaround yeah. with some games. So I think you can probably get away with it. But I don't know, is, is Sam Costello or someone potentially a, a scrum That's the question, off? isn't it? Yeah. Can Sam Costello play nine? Nobody seems to know. Uh, could Gareth can play nine at a pinch? Or, you know, did literally Sam it in a moment of idolising Shane Williams secretly dream of one day being the third scrum half in a World Cup squad. We'll we'll have to find those questions out. Or alternatively, just hope Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams don't come off injured. You know, yeah, just hope they pull all the way through. That's probably plan A. Uh, and it's not <laughs> a bad plan. Um obviously you mentioned you mentioned hookers and yeah, we are carrying two 
injured hookers. And that probably, that feeds into the captaincy as well, I think. Um, Co-captains was, again, it was something that had been talked about, but I, I wasn't sure if Gatlin would do it, particularly after Jack Morgan captained mm. two of the warm-ups and, and with Dewey being injured. But that's that's a clear sign that he really sees Dewey Lake as leadership material if he's not fully fit. I mean, he was he was milling around there earlier. I think he's having some scans today with a few of the other injured boys. Don't know quite when he's going to be fully fit, but to be named co-captain clearly is is a sign that, that Gatlin really wants him as a leader out in France. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they both have very different leadership styles that feed into each other. And I think a lot of the kind of, they did a kid reveal thing where they had the two of them together chatting. And I think that really showed their kind of various strengths. You did feel after those warm-up games that Jack Morgan was the obvious nailed-on captain. Um, but Lake has been such a kind of growing figure. He was under-20s captain, the primary captain over him, though both of them captained Wales during that tournament. Um, so there is something quite lovely about seeing these players who four years ago were playing for the under-20s team were leaving the under-20s team, who obviously did you know very well um, out in Argentina, I want to say. Um, yeah. And now here they are leading the full team, as Lake said in the one quote that's kind of led out so far in between his scans and scones, if he turned up early enough to be had the tea and coffee. Um, then, you know, he said they grew up playing together, they've played together their entire lives, and it's really exciting to be leading together and they get each other, they know each other well, and they can feed into each other. And I really like Derry Lake, and I really like him as a captaincy option, and he's really good at the kind of media side. And he's, as we saw in that kind of MAGA love clip that, got shared around quite a lot. Um, he's, you know, a different style of captain to Jack Morgan, and I think he's far happier doing the media stuff and having, you know, met him briefly a couple of times. Like, he seems very up for a chat in the way Jack Morgan's far more kind of focused on his game, I think. Yeah. and I mean, it also means they can just be more flexible with the media in France because obviously, you know, the day, is it team announcements, you have to do coach and captain. Now, yeah. they can, now they can have days off. I think it's, I think it's a genius move. <laughs> Alternate. Yeah, because I'm not saying we'll knock that that enthusiasm for speaking to the media out of him. I'm not saying that for a second. Um, Give but, it a go. I mean, six weeks Try talking to, to me in France. <laughs> I bet Dan Bigger's delighted he hasn't got the captaincy is all I'll say. <laughs> There's a reason I'm only doing 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, looking elsewhere in the squad, you know, you mentioned he's, he's found a, a place for Halfpenny. I mean, I, I'll admit I wasn't fully expecting that, particularly with, you know, three fly halves. One of them mm. is fullback, uh, covering Gareth Anscombe. Yeah. Um, whereas, you and know... And Grady can cover the wing as well. Yeah, Grady can cover the wing. Uh, well, George North uh, has, yeah. has won a few caps on the wing, so I hear. Um, but it's interesting, you know, half penny. There's a few sort of experienced players who, who have got in, Dan Lydia. Um mm. It's just interesting to see that that sort of balance of youth and experience and, and, and how it comes through. And I think that's, I imagine that's something that Gatlin really will be keen to lean on. There's, there's not a, a great deal of players who have more than 50 caps in in the 48 training uh, squad, let alone the 33-man yeah. squad now. So um, yeah, that'll be fascinating to see how that dynamic uh, sort of develops. Those players like, Halfpenny, like Lydia, that you say, that may not make the first choice of team Halfpenny, certainly. Um, but they're really useful players to have in a game against a team like Portugal or Georgia, who are going to be a real test, and you can't afford to, you know, throw out entirely kids against them. Uh, we know how big a test Georgia can be from last year. Um, and then, you know, Portugal drew of them last year, so it is a 
is a far harder game. I think a lot of people are taking it for granted. Yeah. Um, and just having a couple of experienced players who people can lean on, you know, like you listen to someone like Rio Dyer talk about growing up having watched Lee Halfpenny on the telly. That sort of thing makes a difference. That sort of thing has an impact. Um, so I think it's quite a wise move to include players like him and Lanskim as well, who obviously didn't play any warm-up games for injury, Tim Faletau, but have snuck into the squad regardless. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, speaking of Rio Dyer, really quick learn. I think that's what people say about him. Yeah. So I think... It, I think he was always nailed on for a place. You know, I saw a lot of talk about whether he was going to make it, especially when, once Cuthbert didn't play a game. I think it was always assured. Um, just looking through this, the squad, obviously Mason Grady makes it as the other 13 choice. He said he can play wing. I think he's going to be, like, like Scott Williams in, in 2011, I think they're going to let him loose against Portugal. And yeah. he's, that, he's that sort of, where he is in his career, he's that sort of player who, and again, this isn't to diminish Portugal or what they'll bring to the game because I think, you know, they're a good team. He's the sort of mm. player who could like score four against Portugal just because he's got yeah. he's got yeah. those raw test match sort of abilities that haven't quite developed yet at the top the top level, but he can just do damage. So it wouldn't shock me if he did that. Like, like I think Scott Williams, forget how many, like he scored against Namibia and Fiji in that 2011 World Cup. It was a hat-trick, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was a Fiji team, obviously, that was nowhere near the Fiji team that we're going to face mm. or any Fiji team we faced in the last sort of four or five World Cups. That was a just a shambolic Heck. um team in terms of preparation. But I think that's what Mason Grady's role could be. Um spe- speaking of Fiji, mm. obviously that's think, that's the first game. Oh go on. No, I should say likewise Tame Basham. I think it's the sort of player yeah. that would really smash into a team like Portugal that would kind of go, you know, let himself loose a bit. I think he was one of the other names that I was a bit I was expecting to see left out, you know, don't tame Plumtree squeezing in. I think a lot of people were just expecting because Gatler loves a massive Kiwi lad. Um, but yeah, so Basham squeezing, in, I think it will have exactly the same impact. Well, that, that's the thing is, I think he's, what's he gone? Is he gone three, he's gone three natural locks, isn't he? Yeah. And then a, and a, then a hybrid, from, which then means yeah, he can get Basham in, yeah. 2015, was... he picked five locks and James King as a hybrid player. And far cry from that to be down to just free and not taking James King, which was a big surprise to all of us. I know, I know. Um, yeah, justice for James King, get it trending. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, that was another, that was another big decision that I th- we were all sort of wondering how Gatlin would go. And that's, this, that's probably the part that made selecting squads the hardest because it's, it's a bit, yeah. like, a, it's a bit like a Rube Goldberg machine, isn't it? It's where one thing happens, then it affects something else and something else. So yeah. if, you pred- if you predict a squad with four locks, one hybrid and five back rows and you get one thing wrong, you suddenly got three things wrong. So in, in this sense, he's, you know, he's gone for the, the three locks, all of whom have shown they can do it at, at the test rugby. I think Dav Jenkins has shown that over the last year. Reese Davis is, is unlucky to miss out. Ben Carter had some good minutes as well in the warmups. Yeah. You mentioned Tane Plumtree. Uh, he missed out. Um, I don't know, probably injury didn't help him there. And, and that game at Twickenham, because you know, from from all the whispers you heard from Camp, he really impressed. So I, I did, I don't know, Palmy just expected Gatlin to name him. Um, what do you say? But yeah, as you say, it opens up a spot for Tame Basham and, and it means you can select your your specialists in Lydia and Raffle yeah. and not afford to lose them. And, and yeah, Basham's going to be interesting to see how they use him because I don't think, certainly under Pivak, they never really knew how to get the best out of mm. him as, as a, as an open side, you know, he's not a jackal-heavy open side. He's someone who punches holes almost at will. And again, you've probably looked at the footage far more than I have, but 
in terms yeah. of Wales's pod structure, it felt like he was punching holes where there was no rock support behind mm. him. I remember that game in Ireland, just yeah. like it was well, just like yeah. around the corner and all the forwards are just completely on the other side of the pitch and he's just punching yeah. holes. But, you know, you got Dan bigger than Aaron to, to come around and, and clear out. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Gatlin's got an idea as how he can use him as an mm. impact player. I think the way he was being used at number eight in the last two warm-up games as well, I think was interesting. Back to his old under-20 position rather than seven, we kind of slotted in most of his senior minutes. Um, just because I think it allows him to be explosive rather than needing to clear out, which yeah. perhaps isn't his strong suit. You know, he's not a kind of workhorse, constantly every ruck type player, uh, but he is a great carrier of the ball, uh, runs great lines, great angles, and will hit hard as well defensively, um, but isn't necessarily a big breakdown boy. Uh, which is my name for a flanker. Um, so yeah, so it kind of, you know, it allows you to to play about a bit of it. Um, and he, yeah, again, could really fit into those games against Portugal and potentially, you know, either Georgia or Fiji. Yeah, we, we, we've gone from having no number eights beyond Falatau to suddenly having <laughs> loads of number eights and almost like no blind sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hence Dan Lydia still being here. I know. As he will be in the 2078 World Cup. Which would be a women's World Cup, but hey, Dan Lydia, by that point, he'll be unstoppable. Yeah. I'm just delighted because I know there's a load of people now back home in, in Mid Wales who are booking flights to France. So that's one good thing. Bring the whole farm over. Yeah. Because that back row could be interesting in terms of, I mean, I don't know who will go. Like Chuns, maybe Chuns is the sixth option. Lydia's, you know, Jack Morgan, you think is going to be the seven. Basham can offer impact off the bench, but then Tommy Reffel could offer basically to us what Francois loaded to the yeah. box four years ago which is oh that's a delightful force it's just effectively 20 minutes of sealing possession <laughs> <laughs> yeah and territory just just through breakdown threat so um and i'd be quite tempted by wainwright at six as well um i know he's been looking a lot at eight and he was talking about wanting to focus on eight a bit but i think he could be a really useful weapon at six as well in terms of being a hybrid between that work rate type player like a yeah. idiot and being a more explosive player like a Basham. No, definitely. I think, yeah, I think where he is in terms of his his body weight, he's probably packed on a bit of muscle now. He's probably more suited to playing in a back row at six alongside Falato. Because I always felt you couldn't yeah. play the two of them together because it's, it's always almost too similar. And if you think of Wainwright's best games for Wales, it's when Falato's not yeah. playing. So maybe now that he's, the VD, in a weird yeah. way, become more of an eight in the sense of bulking up, he could be a better six to play alongside Falato. Um but we'll yeah. wait and see. We'll, we'll see what Falatau's injury is, to be honest, and, and where he is with that. Yeah. I guess the, the final thing to, to end the podcast is, I mean, the three warm-up games, we were expecting Gatlin to have picked a side that would face Fiji, you know, to have that nailed down. Yeah. You know, I mean, he didn't. <laughs> um, clearly, he didn't on Saturday. Uh, um. What do you think is his strongest team now Now that we've seen the 33-man squad to, mm. to basically do a job against Fiji? Because it's the Fiji game, the importance of it can't be understated. It's, it's win that or, you know, we're, yeah. we're coming home after four weeks. I think there's a temptation to do what he did in 2011 where he kind of had a first team in the Six Nations. He then put a different team out against England in the warm game in the Millennium. And they did incredibly well. You know, they performed much better than the team he named Twick in the previous week. And he stuck with them for South Africa. I think there's a temptation to go largely with the team that played in that first World Cup game against England in Cardiff. Um, and so have, you know, 
Jack Morgan have Costello at 10, then Gareth Davis at 9 and kind of stick with that. Um, I also think there's an argument for going, well, things didn't go so well when a lot of those players played again against South Africa. Um, so you kind of end up a bit all over the place. Um, I'll be really interested also by, does he have one eye on Australia, uh, which is obviously, I suppose, two weeks down the line, so you kind of can't afford to... Um, I got the fixtures the wrong around in my brain, but automatically very quickly corrected. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, it, are you thinking of Lake and Elias as fit, or are you going to have to put D in at hooker? Is the other big one? Does D have to start because he's the only hooker that's going and fully fit? Um, there's a lot of kind of little question marks there. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, literally, as we say this, five live over there doing their own podcast um, <laughs> with. Nice, nice looking equipment, um, but that's just that's that's a nod to my bosses. But uh, De- Demi Lakes just walked in with Jack Morgan. He looks, he looks fit. That's that's okay. my t- that's my technical viewpoint. Your um, expert opinion. Yeah, you know we can we can run that as a story now. Uh, they're both fit. That's that's good enough for me. Um, yeah, I guess the the final thing. I mean, is where do you think Wales will get to in the World Cup? Now, oh. now we've seen the squad. Where are they going to get to? Um, I think the big concern is 12, where I think there are two players that are a bit all over the place. Johnny Williams has his fans out there, um, but I think has a habit of not giving passes or giving the wrong passes we saw for that Moody try. Um, And also defensively makes a couple of errors where Tompkins is just this ball of chaos and obviously a capable player at this level, but just like too chaotic to be able to trust him entirely. And that becomes an issue because I think I really like what this Welsh team is building and I think they can go much further than people are anticipating and the draw is really kind um, because essentially they've got to be Fiji and Georgia, which is very doable for this squad. And then suddenly you're thrown in against Argentina or England, both of which we know we can beat from the previous year, um, you know, from having taken both apart pretty comprehensively in the last 12 months. And suddenly it's a semi-final and you've got the confidence up and you've got everything going. And, you know, if you end up with South Africa, who again, Wales know they can beat, um, or even in, you know, an Ireland or France who they perhaps catch cold, um, it becomes a very interesting thing. There's a chance, you know, no matter what, Wales are probably going to play a kind of Warren Ball thing. It's going to lead to people, if they do go far, asking the question of were they worse than the 2007 England team that made the World Cup final? And no, they won't be. But regardless, I think this Wales team could do much better. But I also kind of look at that 12 position and worry there's kind of a, it's too important a position to have that kind of level of uncertainty about. There we go. Um, Robbie, thanks. I realise I've actually said Wales are going to make the final. <laughs> I, I meant to say Wales could make the final, they could go out in the pools. I, that, is, that is the joy of this draw, isn't it? It really it, it literally, is. It's, it's pools or final. Um, there's no in between. Literally no in between. Yeah. Quarters, quarters and semis don't exist. It's pool or final. It, it, it's not there. It's not there. I, I've never heard of them. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks for joining us. I'm yeah. going to go wander around, see if I can find some coffee and biscuits. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. And, and you. And likewise, enjoy the biscuits and the Dewey Lake. Right, well, the good news is I managed to find some coffee and biscuits. And I've also found a, a pretty good guest, Wales and Dragons wing, Rio Dyer. How are you doing, Rio? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. A little bit beaten and bruising, but it's been better. I was going to say, you're wearing quite a shiner uh, yeah. as, as a result of Saturday's game, is it? 
yeah, obviously the the head on head has left me with uh, quite a booty mark on my uh, soft skin. So yeah, it's not too bad. It's just a little bit of bruising under the eye and then the stitches, obviously. I missed that one bit in the intro. It's Rio Dyer, Wales and Dragons and Wales World Cup 23 squad member. I mean, how, how does that sound? Yeah, I think obviously I've I mentioned upstairs then that it probably hasn't fully sunk in yet that of, of the occasion because when all the emotions and the, the cameras and stuff are, are going on and everyone's congratulating you when I think when you have that kind of later on at night and at 10 a.m. when it, everything's settled down you can have that breather I think that's when you'll realize that all the, the 14 weeks where we've been training brutally Switzerland Turkey has all paid off and from the from the day that the training squad got announced to now is pretty surreal. When did you find out you know, and how did you find out I know Gat sort of said that players would find out in different ways. What, what did you opt for on the for the getting for the squad? Yeah, so it was the the YouTube video. Oh, you just watched the video? Was yeah, it? yeah. So I was sat kind of uh, Tane mashes me saying, "Have have I got an email or anything yet?" And uh, I kind of mashes saying no, thinking he was going to say, "Ah, oh, unlucky." Or something. So it was more of this. He, he he reassured me, saying he hasn't had it either. So we both sat and watched the the YouTube video. You watched it at his house. I watched it at mine, and it was just. I didn't realize it was in alphabetical order. So yeah, I was uh, kind of lucky. <laughs> thinking, hold on, I'm gonna probably be picked last because if I am, if I am picked, because back threes are usually last on the team sheet. So I was kind of panicking, thinking I'm gonna have to watch the whole video, just not knowing. But yeah, it was it was good. That's why it's nice not to have the surname Williams in it. Oh yeah, you're just waiting, waiting the whole time. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, I imagine your phone's just gone crazy in the last couple of hours. Or just what's it? What's it been? I've seen the odd video. I think of family members. Yeah. I, I assume you've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, there's. I think you see how much support there actually is from the outside. Even though in in rugby, it can be kind of a bubble that you feel like isolated of every all the pressure and all the stress that you go through and stuff is probably just in your own little confined bubble but then days like this is when you can see that stuff you do put in there is people there that do support you throughout the whole way and like like my family you can see how how proud of the moment it was for them when they when they were watching the video themselves and they took the time out of their day just to see my name pop up and it's probably a special moment that they'll never forget as well what's the last 40 odd hours being like since the end of that South Africa game because I mean I've got no skin in the game but I've found it quite nerve-wracking and I knew everything was coming down to this Monday from the, from the end of that game when you left the Principality Stadium what, what have you done to take your mind of it as much as you can? Unfortunately it's, it's, even though you'd want to you can't I think as soon as the the whistle blew you just it's always it's just on your mind then it's Saturday and then you've still got another 40 odd hours to go until the team's officially announced so I think I was just trying to find ways of making the days go quicker but it just it just wasn't working I think the last 24 hours was probably the worst part just from going from yesterday and then this morning up watching the clock just waiting for the time to tick down because I was thinking why have they made it five past twelve and not like eight o'clock in the morning where everyone wakes up so I think that was that was kind of stressing me out a bit but just when the the moment came it was kind of that pressure has just been dropped a bit because even though 
the 40 hours was the stressful part, I think, from the initial, basically, training camp squad being announced. That, that's, I think, that's when the, the pressure gets kind of put on you because the impressions made from start to finish, not the end to the to the, the now. So I think from these 15 weeks, it's probably been very stressful internally than most most times because you, you're thinking it's a long it's not like it's, it's a short nice snappy camp so you can just have <laughs> yeah. a nice few weeks and then you can go get straight into it it's, it's a long kind of process where you've got a lot of different tests on the way that are going to str- make you struggle like obviously switzerland and turkey and and then obviously these three test games so it's been a long long three months but it's definitely time to have a breather and then get back into it now. Yeah, Jonathan Humphreys was saying that the uh, the training camp for the '95 World Cup was was a week. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I think that that compared to what we do now is probably <laughs> a bit nicer and yeah. less stressful. You could argue he's a sadist for being on the other side of it now and making it this long, but um, yeah. in t- in terms of sort of that that forty hour wait, were you speaking to the other boys? Do you, do you sort of or do you sort of just try? St- in a way, stay out of each other's way because you know there's, there's always going to be disappointed parties, and you know everyone deals with those sort of those nervous moments differently. I, I, do you speak to them, or how does it work? Um, it's like a it's, it's a bit of a mix mixed in the mixed bag. Is I think I, I messaged Bash maybe once or twice. You just you just want to stay out. You, you, you want to know if they've heard anything of anyone else heard anything. So it's more of you you kind of stay out the way and keep yourself to yourself but there's also just making sure you do stay in touch with with people just uh because you're all in we're all like a tight-knit group and we're very close with each other so it's, it's nice to stay in in touch with those close people because you know they're probably going through the same thing as you are so that's the main thing it's been obviously it's been a, a rapid rise for you i think was it it's just over a year now since you first came into the squad you trained last summer didn't you and then yep. call up in november i mean even sort of 18 months ago was this on the radar? Was this one of your wildest dreams? Um, I think personally for me, it was probably one of the things that I was I was looking looking towards because I think in eighteen months is, is it may seem far away, but I'm more than sure it'll come pretty quick to where I was then. So it's more of just looking forward to to trying to get to obviously into the squad to start off with. So I think the pretty proud moment was that first even just getting called into the training camp was making sure that I, I was making my impressions giving it everything that I had and then from the first cap in New Zealand making sure that is I didn't just put my feet up and think ah oh, okay I got my cap I got my jersey now so I can just relax is more of this is just the start of something very special and something that you can continue right throughout the years of what you love doing playing rugby so it's more of just going out there every day making sure I train and then everything will just take uh, take hold of itself so I think that was the main thing What are your earliest World Cup memories? I love asking this question because when I started in the job everyone's talking about like 91 and stuff like that and it's just well beyond me I feel like I'm getting to the point where it's like that's also my first World Cup and well I'm reaching the point where it's World Cups like that I remember too well but what, what was your first World Cup memory? I say definitely one I watched throughout the whole thing was probably 2019. So I've mentioned that one a few times. Uh, so I've watched. I remember watching that and with my family. So was, I think that's why it's probably a little bit more special because even though when I was younger, I probably didn't 
understand rugby too much. I probably just wanted to watch cartoons and films more than rugby. But um, as you're getting older and you want to actually watch the game and see how other players play, it was nice to share that kind of occasion with your family because it's, it's a nice... The World Cup's a, a, a beautiful thing for everyone, not just for the players playing, but people watching just brings everyone together. Everyone can watch the rugby and love the rugby. So I think that was a, the probably the biggest memory f- as, of a World Cup, personally, for me. I feel like someone told me a while back, and I, can't, I don't know if it's true, that a few years ago you were working in Tesco before your, your rugby days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, was, I think it was after school, I was working, I started working in um, a call centre, actually, and I was still in the Academy for Dragons. And uh, I think Chappie gave me a call the one day I've been playing for under-18s and said they wanted, to, they wanted to sign me. But I think I was more happy with the job because I was thinking the the obviously the money difference from yeah. when I was that age to... The, the academy was probably a little bit different for me and I was still about 17 or so, or so I think maybe just going into 17. So I think that was a, a weird time, but I thought I'd just take the leap and then I got signed on and I ended up working in Tesco's for a bit as well. So it was kind of, it was weird because even though rugby's your full-time thing, yeah. I still had different things going on. So it was call centre and Tesco's, but I think, Looking back now, because it's my local, only my local Tesco. So when I go shopping there now, it's kind of, I thought I always picture myself. I think it was, I was only a Christmas temp. So it was the same seven Christmas songs playing on repeat. So I was, I was there for eight hours a day trying to earn my pennies, basically getting, saving up for Christmas and then walking around the shops. There's no in that the hard work I actually was thinking about whilst walking around these, the store has actually paid off. So you timed it for the Christmas party is what you're saying there. <laughs> yeah. Everything, yeah, Christmas time. Just love the idea of now there's people working in a call centre and a Tesco. It's like, yeah, I used to, I used to work with him. He's yeah. in the Wales squad. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what I'm, I'm kind of a laid back person. So it's more of when people probably do say it to me thinking, like I'm thinking I'm just a normal person, average Joe. So it's, it's life's life. And I think it's just more of, I don't really understand that as much as probably other people think. Like my parents always say, I was like when they were saying earlier, like how you're not bouncing around the room and stuff. Was I'm just very in in myself with kind of the emotions. So it's more of I don't really understand. But kind of when I do, like I said, walk around those kind of places, it is kind of a breather and thinking like all this work you have done, well done. Basically, tap myself tap on the back. Fantastic. I guess the final question is you've got a bit of a break now, I think, but obviously you're heading to France in just under two weeks. Yeah. What is it that this Wales team can achieve out there? I think we can achieve what whatever we want to put our minds to. We, we're we a tight-knit group, like I've said multiple times, and the work we've put in well, from obviously being in the professional environment with Dragons for the period of time, I don't think I've seen a group that's been through tougher times so the training sessions the the running sessions as as much as I had before before and I think seeing how a group can still stick together and still want to put in the effort and the 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 time for each other even though you're in the darkest of places you've probably ever been is is something that is probably special and if you could put that kind of that kind of emotions and stuff onto a field and onto where you want to envision 
your performances to be. I think that's a, probably a special thing we've we've gotten. I think the group we have is amazingly talented, and if we fine tune, probably look at the games over the three games we've had, fine tune a lot of things. I'm, I'm more than sure we can put them performances in. Fantastic. Um, thanks for coming on the pod. I'll let you get back to, to replying to text messages. I'm sure you've got a fair few to uh, to get through. And congratulations again on making the World Cup squad. Cheers. Thank you very much.